104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. I didn't think it was supposed to be so cold and dreary like it is today, but it is. And hopefully things are not cold and dreary up in Kansas City because I know there's a huge party going on up there right now as the Chiefs get set to take on the Cincinnati Bengals up at Arrowhead. I'm not going to call it what it's been called all week long, but that is the game today. That is the one we are interested. We're interested in both games. We're actually sitting here watching the 49ers and the Eagles games in case you're listening Eagles leading in that game 7 nothing. Neither team looking very impressive to start with. I am Joe Weston. Ned Reynolds sitting over here. Ned, how are you? Cold and uh, somewhat disappointed because there was a little ice on my car when I oh. came out today. But hopefully it won't be too much. But the answer to your question is yes, it is this cold up in Kansas City and maybe even colder. Yeah, but we'll see if that affects the game. Josh Roberts, you're sitting across from me. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm not cold right now, but it is cold outside. You survived a wild night last night. I certainly did in <laughs> Kansas City, oddly enough. You know what's ironic is I stopped for gas halfway home, and the, the woman in the convenience store was like, oh, so you're not going to the Chiefs game because <laughs> everybody going the other direction was going to the Chiefs game, apparently. Yeah, and, and what was it like up there? What was the vibe? Oh, man, everybody was excited. Um, everywhere you went, it was go Chiefs, go Chiefs. I mean, I stopped. I, I went to uh, Gates and got barbecue yesterday afternoon, and they were even telling people go Chiefs as you were walking out. So everybody's excited. It's a big game. Yeah, absolutely. The Chiefs are back in the AFC Championship. Is this the uh, fifth year, fourth or yeah, fifth year? five fifth year. years in a row. We've been lucky. The Chiefs are, are there once again. They have an opportunity to go to the big game. I can't say the words. Oh, I'm sorry. Because of the copyright. So I, I'll just say the big game. That's what we've been told around here. So <laughs> I try to live up to that. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about how the Chiefs got here. They played Jacksonville last week. I actually picked Jacksonville to win the game because I was impressed with them. I thought they did an outstanding job against the Chargers. I know what uh, my colleague Ned Reynolds is going to say, that the Chiefs are the better team. But I, I like the hot hand, and I thought maybe Jacksonville might win that game. But the Chiefs... In spite of what happened during the game, they took care of business. Maybe two years from now, Jacksonville will be yeah. there. They're young. They're not there yet. They still made, in a sense, rookie mistakes. And Trevor Lawrence doesn't really have quite that experience. But he's, hey, they're a good team. And they can play pretty doggone well. The Chiefs are the better team. I think the Chiefs are the better team against Cincinnati, although they have lost three straight to Cincinnati. And the Bengals are in a rhythm right now. That's what has me worried about this game. The Bengals have won 10 straight, 10 straight games. Wow. And when you get into that, and they didn't, have, they didn't have a week off. They had to play in the, in the first round. When you have a rhythm like that going, especially in a game like football where it's based on rhythm, that's awfully tough to defend against and awfully tough to break. Well, and I'm not so sure that uh, it's, it's going to be easy pickings for Kansas City today. I think it's going to be a, a difficult football game for them. I, I still think they'll win it, but it won't be easy. Jacksonville had a winning streak going into that game, too. I think they were six, six, six straight. It was six straight. Six straight. They had a good rhythm. The Chiefs have been playing well. They've been winning their games, but they haven't been doing it in Chiefs fashion. 
And I know that my uh, my other colleague here, Josh Roberts, you had boycotted the Chiefs because you were frustrated with them. But last week you watched. I did. What was your takeaway? Well, I I think uh, it's hard to assess if they would have been the Chiefs of old because Mahomes got hurt so early in the game. But that before he got hurt, they were looking very strong, very fast. They were moving the ball very efficiently. So uh, it it would have. I think it could have been a game that they. They won by a landslide if he hadn't uh, suffered that injury. But I'm impressed. I got to tell you, I, I think Chad Henney was the MVP just because of that 98-yard drive for a touchdown, the longest playoff drive in Chiefs history. That really set the tone because that was the whole Chiefs team saying, all right, we can still do this. Chad's our guy right now. And and he performed. I mean, he he did what he had to do. And they scored a touchdown on that drive. I was blown away by how well they did that. And then they maintained the rest of the game. Their defense played really well, and they scored when they needed to score. And it was closer than it probably would have been if if Mahomes had played the whole game. I was impressed with the way the Chiefs offense switched on a dime and went to a more simplified offense with Chad oh, yeah. Henney there. Not the not as many designed rollouts as the Chiefs run with mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes as quarterback, more pocket passing more getting the ball out quickly. And I think that that could be a key in what we see in today's game, Ned. Maybe. Uh, keep in mind now that Henny coming in there it was, although he's been around for 11 or 12 years, All-American at Michigan, he's certainly not, an, not a non-talented individual, but he's not a starter. He is a backup. It's a different, altogether different focal point that the defense had when he came in. They didn't have time. They didn't know what, what, what to expect out right. of this. One time down the field, yeah, that's going to happen. Another time, I would have been very surprised that he'd been able to sustain that because the defense would have reset themselves and seen what he was going to do. But, again, that's, that's pure speculation. In today's case, Cincinnati knows fully well what they're going to be up against. And they also know, and Joe pointed this out, that in the past they have been rushing three and sometimes on occasion four they don't blitz very often. When they do, it's frequently quite effective, but the bottom line is they don't do it very often. They're going to change today because I think Kansas City is going to disdain their passing game and go much more to a running game mm-hmm. because that running game is pretty good that they have, and the offensive line is good enough to be able to manufacture big yardage out of both levels of offense. They're that good. I think, yeah. I think Kansas City... I think Kansas City adjusts very well. Make no mistake about it, Mr. Mahomes will be compromised in there today. My uh, feeling is uh, last week's MVP was Isaiah Pacheco. The guy continues to impress me. He really does the way that he played. He had a big run in the game, and uh, the way that he delivers blows at the end of his runs. (laughs) I mean, he is not an easy tackle. There was a cornerback, I think it was, or a guy from the secondary that tried to tackle him along the sideline, and he just stood that guy up. Yeah, and said, "Is that all you got, bro? Bring I lo- on, bring it on." I love to see that with running backs because if if they run the ball consistently and that running back is delivering those hits instead of receiving those hits later in the game, those guys don't want to get hit anymore. And you see it with the teams that, like Derrick Henry, when when teams 
play against Derrick Henry by the third, late third quarter into the fourth quarter, they are shying away from getting hit by that guy. Pacheco is a South Jersey guy, and all us South Jersey guys are just like that. <laughs> right. I've seen I've seen Ned deliver some blows and hear people. Oh yeah, just stand up straight up. Is that all you got? So I put Mike the intern down on his ass one day. <laughs> no, that won't happen. Uh, so let's uh, let, let let's talk about what happened in the other. AFC game last week, and that was Cincinnati and Buffalo. Were you surprised at all at the way that game turned out? Because Buffalo was uh, not Buffalo. Astounded. Not surprised. Astounded. Okay. Cincinnati owned that team. They Mm -hmm. were never in doubt. They are strong. They are motivated, dedicated, and Buffalo just simply did not show. They could not get things going, even in conditions that uh, to which they're uh, quite akin uh, the snow and the cold and so forth, they, they just could not get a momentum going, and Cincinnati was the reason for that. The Bengals made them play at the tempo and at the level that the Bengals wanted to play. Cincinnati, folks, is no laugh, laughing matter. They're a good football team. Well, yeah, I mean, they were in the AFC Champion, or they were in the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I that game... I feel like it really showed the uh, the mental aspect of football I don't think the Buffalo Bills had their mind on winning that game as much as they needed to I think they're they were still they're still uh psychologically trying to recover from what happened to Hamlin and I don't I don't think there's any way that you can argue against that and they did not perform at their top level the the Hamlin episode certainly didn't help them but actually Josh this had occurred before then because they haven't played a good level of football since the season came to an end. And in the final weeks of the season, they were struggling. Their game against the Miami Dolphins, 34-31. to 31. This is Miami, and Hamlin did. He was there for that. Oh, one. that's true. So the fact is, they weren't. They, their game wasn't together for some reason. What it was, maybe it's one of those rhythmic situations, the, what they used to call it biorhythms or whatever. That uh-huh. Anyway, they were not. They were, they were completely disheveled and... That bothered me a little bit. That may be the beginning of the last hurrah for the Bengal, uh, for the Buffalo Bills for a while. They're still a good team, don't get me wrong, but are they going to be the dominant team that they have been? I think that's very much in question. Some thought Josh Allen got hurt at some point during the season, and that really threw the team off, Elbow. and they haven't been the same team since. Elbow injury on his throwing arm, and yeah, mm. they, haven't, they hadn't really been able to generate that same kind of momentum. You know, we're Ned Talk. We're your local live sports talk show. We do this before the Chiefs game right here on 104.7 The Cave. I do want to uh, let everybody know, and I will point this out a couple of times as we do the show today, it will not be the Chiefs broadcast today that we will be airing. It will be the Westwood One radio broadcast because we do not have the rights to do the Chiefs game outside of Kansas City. So we have to carry, we want to bring this game to you. So we're doing the Westwood One broadcast. We cannot bring you the Chiefs home broadcast. Quick question. Sure. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. If, and please forgive me for saying that, if the worst happens and the Chiefs don't get in, do we carry the Super Bowl? We're not going to carry the Super Bowl. Answer the question. I don't think so. I haven't talked to Mike about it, but I, but I assume football season will be over for Mike, so I assume that he'll move on to other things, and we will not be carrying the Chiefs. However, we will be carrying this show. We will, yes. Ned Talk will continue on. We'll be on Sundays at noon. At least that's what we've discussed here today. We have to uh, get that approved with the uh, muckety-mucks here. 
I wanted to bring you up to date. The uh, Brock Purdy has been hurt, and there is another quarterback in for San name, Francisco. His name is Josh Johnson, and he is a product. Don't be confused. Not San Diego State University of San Diego. That's okay. a different level mm. altogether. It's it's FCS, the same as the Bears play, a non-scholarship FCS. But that's where he went. Josh Johnson's his name. And they've handed the ball to Christian McCaffrey, which is probably what they should do all the time. And he scores. And, and they have tied the game 7-7. They're in the second quarter right now, the NFC Championship. What do you think you're going to see from the Chiefs today? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is banged up. Uh, Ned, you were talking before we went on the air. You had conversations with the doctor this week about it. What, tell us what that conversation went like. This is a high ankle sprain, and that's a little bit different from your ball and socket strain when you do sprain your ankle. Well, in this case, it's the muscular tissue that goes practically all the way up to the knee. It affects your tibia. It affects the ankle as well. And while there is every manner of modern medicine that was a part of Mr. Mahomes all of this week, he was getting every treatment they know, every every treatment that's been invented, he was, he was receiving it. Your body still has to respond, and it has to heal. And he can't be, one week later, he can't be 100% healed from a high ankle sprain. Now, the Chiefs and Mahomes can put on a pretty good show. And, oh, he's walking normally. He's going to be back in the chair. It's a mild right. sprain. Uh, it is, but it's also 19 degrees up there. And this is hardcore competition you're facing. He hasn't done that. He's practiced, right. gone through some level of perhaps, I'm guessing this, uh, cut down drills a little bit to where he didn't have to dodge and dart and do all that sort of thing. He's a tough guy. He can take pain. The pain is not the problem. His mobility is the problem, and the mobility, I think, is probably going to be greatly reduced. Travis, That's a guess. Travis Kelsey is also questionable for today's game. He's going to play, but he apparently hurt his back in last week's game, and, and that's hmm. concerning, too. As many hits as he takes to the back, I can certainly understand that. He, you know, he turn, when, he, when he turns and catches, he's kind of like, in a way, if you can make an analogy here, the post player in old basketball game. They don't do it so yep. much now. Right, yeah. But you turn your back to the basket and get mm -hmm. the ball. That's what he does. He turns his back on the defense and catches those passes. It's very rare for him to be going downfield and catch one over his shoulder. He is a face-up to the quarterback. Well, you can get blasted in the back when that happens. If there's a, you know, a hierarchy of Chiefs injuries, there's one, and that's Patrick Mahomes, and then there's 1A, and that's Travis Kelsey. Because <laughs> if – Chad Henney's going to play in this game. You want him to have Travis Kelsey in there. You want For him sure. to throw to him. I mean, Alec, who's not here with us this week, he and I discussed throughout the week about Travis Kelsey and about how he simply is the best in football right now. He may be the best tight end ever to play the game. And I also, uh, Alec and I argued about this a little bit. One of the other great tight ends in the game right now, George Kittle, plays for San Francisco. And he was saying to me, well, Kittle's better after the catch. And I, I said, no way. Travis Kelsey is the best I've ever seen of any receiver, period, of catching the ball and then getting extra yards after the play, after the catch. And I still don't see how he gets open like he does. There was a time in the game last week 
There's nobody within 10 yards of him. How do you let Travis Kelsey get that open? Well, there are, a lot of it's zone, yeah. and he knows how to split that zone pretty well. And, the, and, and that's where your timing comes in. Because when Mahomes throws that ball, he's not throwing to Kelsey. He's throwing to an area where Kelsey is supposed to be. And you run into a circumstance like that where an individual knows the patterns. And that's when, when they talk about a wide receiver or a tight end running the patterns. That's what they're talking about, running to an area where they're supposed to be. And that's where the ball is if everything works out right. So, in a sense, I do understand how that can be, and he's good at doing that. The other thing I'll add to that is I feel like Travis Kelsey is probably the best at going to that spot but then staying, keeping in motion. Because as as Mahomes is rolling out and as the, the vision is changing, he is great at moving with Mahomes to stay open once he gets open. Or if he gets open and then he isn't open, he gets open again. I think they have a great rapport and i'm sure they practice it all the time of that very thing like you're going to that zone and if i haven't thrown it to you already keep moving because i'm moving that's why i haven't thrown it there and i think they do an amazing job of that one of the things we talked about all season long was the chiefs wanting to get to this point in the season healthy yeah and to a certain (laughs) degree they have all right patrick mahomes has a high ankle sprain travis kelsey has a bad back McCole Hardeman might play today. That was something that's being teased. It would be his first time back in 10 weeks. That would give the Chiefs an extra dimension to their team, a guy that can spread the field. I was impressed last week with, with Tony. I think that he has been a big pickup for this team because he's got a different set of skill levels than what you see from Valdez Scantling, mm-hmm. what you see from Juju, Juju's just misjuicered, if I can say that without screwing that up. So I, I he, he's been an impressive pick. Of, I won't say that he's been like McCaffrey to San Francisco, but he's definitely added another dimension to this team. His dimension that he adds is sheer breakaway speed, and he has a pretty good concept of what to do and, and how to catch the ball. He is one of these characters, though, who's going to pull his hamstring quite a bit. That's the way they are physically built. Now, it's not a prediction that's going to happen. I, I hope it doesn't. But he's, he's a good athlete. He is, in a sense, better than McCole Hartman. Now, Hartman has that sheer north-south breakaway speed. He may be one of the fastest, if not the fastest player on the team. I think he runs a 104-2 or 4-3, some, some rocket speed like that. Mm. But he does not have the lateral quickness that a lot of these guys have, and that makes a very big difference. So I think you're going to see – I would be surprised if Hardman does play. Not Kadarius Tony though. He'll, he'll be in there. He'll be returning kicks and, and all that sort of thing. That, and, and coming out as maybe a second-team receiver. The offensive line is very healthy going into this game. It's not the same that can be said for Cincinnati. They have lost two offensive linemen, and their tight end has been questionable, though he will play today. But they also were questionable last week against Buffalo. Yeah, and they and they did a good job. Buffalo were not able to get Joe Burrow during the whole game. Nope. Yeah. Nope. But Buffalo doesn't bring the same type of brush that Kansas City is going to bring in this game with Jones. Let's just see. Let's just see how everything falls into place because I think it's going to be a very good football game. Winners, of course, of both this and the San Francisco Philadelphia game, which is tie at the moment seven seven. They go into the Super Bowl in two weeks. Each will have a week to 
recover and right. get well and so forth and so on. So are the two linemen that they said were questionable last week for the Bengals, are they out this week? They are week? both out. They, they are, are officially out. They are officially okay. out this last week, but they did a fine job. They, yeah, they their, their second stringers did a great job because they were able to protect Burrow. And, you know, one of the knocks on Cincinnati is they don't do a very good job of protecting yeah. Joe Burrow. Be interesting to see how it all works out today. Remember, we've got the broadcast coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. The Chiefs pregame starts in 40 minutes right here on 104.7 The Cave. Until then, you're stuck with us. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We'll have the Chiefs pregame show coming up for you in 34 minutes right here on 104.7 The Cave. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs in southwest Missouri. We've got, uh, like I said, we will not be carrying the game from the Chiefs' perspective this week because we can't. It's not that we don't want to. We just can't carry Mitch and Dana. We have to carry the Westwood One broadcast, and that'll be coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. We do want to bring you the game, so we will have that, but just not the Chiefs' broadcast. Ned, any thoughts on that? Anything? What's the rule? Yeah, just a rule. Just one of the crazy, silly rules. When they when the people have to follow for uh, postseason broadcast rights, the individuals who win that have they have the jurisdiction over how it's going to be carried and who's blacked out and who's carries what and so forth and so on. You see it in baseball and in basketball as well. Yeah, at least I could say this: the NFL rules aren't as ridiculous as uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, Major League Baseball. Rules that has got to change. That has got to be something that they have to address eventually. The blackout rules. I, I, we've discussed this frequently on the show, and this is this is way off base. Okay, I'm just going to tell you guys, way off base. I'm a Yankees fan. You guys know that about. Oh me. yeah. When they play Toronto, those games are completely blacked out here <laughs> for whatever reason. Now, I, had a, I have a friend that's a Cardinals fan, and she was telling me the other day that when the Cardinals play Milwaukee. That they're blacked out here and that you can't see the games. And it's just that's just ridiculous. Well, you you mentioned the fact that it needs to be changed, and Joe, it could very well be that it is going to be changed here, not not this year, but in the very near future. Do I have time to explain yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk about that. This is something Ned and I have been talking about when I come in on the mornings, and he's still here, and we chat about this because it's all very interesting to me. It's about the Bally Sports situation. Oh, yeah. Enlighten us. I can, I can enlighten you a little bit. I'm not a lawyer, but this is the way things are working out. Back in early November, Bally Sports, Bally Sports has a name. That's the name right. The, the group that operates is called Diamond Sports, and they're a part of Sinclair Broadcasting, which is a huge broadcasting company. Sinclair, Sinclair, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Diamond Sports looked at their books. Uh-oh, we've got some problems here, and they do, as do many of these others. People, folks, are pulling the plug, getting away from cable, getting away from satellite, and going elsewhere. Well, what are we going to do here? We've got these massive contracts. Well, Diamond Sports, a.k.a. Bally Sports, governs the TV rights for almost one half of the major league teams. It's actually 14 
but we're interested in the Cardinals and the Royals, and they both are Bally Sports. So back in early November, this Diamond Sports or Bally Sports went to all four major league outfits, hockey, football, basketball, and baseball, because they're all involved, and said, hey, look, why don't you guys get together and just buy us? Buy us out. That way you can control all your telecasts, you can get the revenue. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. How much do you want? Well, only $3 billion. <laughs> they can afford it. <laughs> I don't want to hear anybody in football well, cry matter, poverty. They may do it. In, in a sense, they may. Well, hockey can't afford it, but the other three can. Well, they stopped and they said, <laughs> uh, $3 billion, that's a lot. I think we'll turn that down. They didn't expect to be turned down. And Diamond, uh-oh, uh-oh, what do we do now? Well, the next thing is bankruptcy declare bankruptcy, which they may do next week or the week after. Now, what happens if they declare bankruptcy? There are two, and to my knowledge, I'm not a lawyer again, but to my knowledge, there are two levels of bankruptcy. One is Chapter 11 and one is Chapter 7. Chapter 7, if you declare that, you shut the doors, pull the blinds down, lock the windows, you are out of business, period, exclamation point. That's not what they'll do. They'll declare Chapter 11, which allows you to continue to operate, but it also means you do not have to pay your creditors. Right. It's a it's now, a restructuring of debt. It, over a period of six years, restructuring. But during that time, you don't have to. Now, mm-hmm. you're going to make it up, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Cardinals, what is their deal in this? How much they make? 60 between 60 and $65 million per year, per season. And the Bally Sports or Diamond Sports has already said, we're not paying you the interest on that for the month of February. Hey, 60 to $65 million a year by a, ter- a total budget, eh, it's, it's, it's a, a lot, but yeah. it's not their total budget. But if it's missing, I damn well guarantee you that's a lot, and they will see it. And that, how is it used? It's players' salaries. Uh, It's the possibility of going free agent. Anyway, I'm bringing up a doomsday circumstance should this happen. And there's a good chance that it will. Now, how does that affect us? Well, nothing this year because it's too late now to make any changes this year. But for the next year, the cable companies and all that who carry them, sayonara. They're not getting paid. How are you going to watch the games? Streaming. That's what it's yeah. all headed for is streaming, well, at it's, least in it, my opinion. The threat's been there for several years. There was a talk uh, about a decade ago that Major League Baseball would go to, especially during the playoffs and the World Series, that they would go to pay-per-view, and that never materialized. I know Amazon's really getting big into it because they have bought uh, you know, the rights for the Thursday night game, and there was some differing opinion about how they carried the games this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that Monday night viewership has dropped significantly since ESPN has been carrying it. I have been watching the Chiefs game on Paramount Streaming because we can't get an agreement between our local affiliate and DirecTV. (laughs) And probably not going to. Yeah, and and there's even threat that the Fox affiliate is going to drop off here pretty soon, too, which is it. That's that's ego. And that needs to change. Yeah, I agree. Because that's uh, you're being you're basically driving customers away. 
to other services. Rather than driving away, you're steering them toward a different level. But there is money involved here because what you're doing is also taking away from those cable companies who charge for having this service on there. And they Mm -hmm. won't have it. They won't have any any possibility of carrying these games, and that's really going to have a major effect. Do I think it'll happen? Yes, in some kind of modified form. You guys have been asked this question. In fact, you probably bandied it around at parties and get-togethers with other sports fans. Hey, how do they afford to pay these guys these billions of dollars, and when is it going to stop? I once was asked that question. I said it stops when the TV money ends. It may be ending. I, I I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if some of these teams, especially teams like the Cardinals, who probably could very easily do their own sports network, mm-hmm. and they probably would make as much, if not more, if they were doing it on their own. Uh, they'll make money, but it, I don't think it would be quite that much. We're talking about a contract now that they have with Diamond or Bally. Uh, to through uh, 2032 that pays them one billion dollars. Of course, it's apportioned out each year. It yeah. comes to 60 to 65 million, and that's. Hey, I don't care what you say. That is a lot. No, of No, it's a lot of money. But uh, oh, yeah. I've also heard stories that Bally has not been selling as well as they should during some of the Cardinals games, and some of the revenue has not been there for the Cardinals. And that, you know, maybe this is something they could take on themselves. I mean. You, you, you know, I hate to say this, going back to my my team, the Yankees, they have their own network. It's Yes Network. It broadcasts all year long. They broadcast the Yankees. They have the Brooklyn Nets. And I believe they do carry some hockey, too. Probably the New York Islanders. I think the Rangers have the Madison Square Garden Network. Yeah, but, Madison. But uh, what you're saying is uh, quite, quite accurate because the New York teams, Philadelphia has their own. Los Angeles Dodgers have their own. But there are still... 14 major league teams that do have this group. And should that fall out now, I said 60 to 65 million for the Cardinals. The same remuneration is not the same for the Royals because their whole structure is completely different. And it's not the same for every team. But you still have a lot of money that's going to be reduced if, in fact, this does come to pass. And that would start rather quickly. And I know there are a lot of teams that are sweating this out right now. Well, here's the doomsday scenario that I see with all this. Cable companies drop out. Everything is a streaming service, and you end up paying more than what you were paying for cable by buying all the streaming services that you want just to watch the things you want to watch. I mean, it's yeah. kind of where we're headed anyway. But if if there's no network broadcasting the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to start their own streaming network where you can watch the games live, mm-hmm. that's, that's and it'll only happen. cost you five bucks a month or ten bucks a month or whatever they decide. And if every sports team does that. Ugh, gosh, what a nightmare. <laughs> well, I think they're all still going to be under the Major League Baseball package. Sure, And probably sure. that's where everything's going to go. I mean, Major League Baseball has already started to move itself towards it being a streaming-only system mm-hmm. with the games that they have. They do have their own streaming service. So I would see stuff falling underneath that. Most of the time, I'll tell you this, guys, this, and everybody out there that's listening, all three of you, that um, when we do do these Ned Talks, we usually have sports on in the studio, and I could care less whether we could hear it or not, but this Eagles-49ers game, both teams have been extremely upset with officiating. <laughs> and the Eagles just scored. It's 21, should be 21-7 going into halftime, but there's been a lot of chippiness and a lot of unhappiness on the sides of both teams. We'll keep you up to date as this rolls along. The Chiefs... 
pregame show. It starts in 23 minutes right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. They are at halftime in the NFC Championship game. Eagles leading over the San Francisco 49ers. Almost said Giants there. Almost. Came really close. <laughs> leading over the 49ers. 21-7 to by Grand Slam. By a couple of Grand Slams in that game. I know Ned's uh, got interest in that game because he is a diehard Eagles fan. Not supposed to be. so Supposed to be being a reporter objective about all these things, but heck, they were my team from day one. Same with the Phillies. And, you know, you don't lose totally. To some extent you do, but totally not your boyhood identification, no. What's your favorite boyhood memory from watching the Eagles? That it Sitting in Franklin Field in Philadelphia on a December after, I think it was two days after Christmas, or if I remember correctly, December 27th, 1960, and I would have been probably, would I have been a freshman? No, I would have, yes, I would have been a freshman in college about then, and uh, watching the Philadelphia Eagles play the Green Bay Packers for the NFL championship. This is the first year that the AFL was established, and uh, watching Paul Horning and uh, Jim Taylor and Bart Starr and here, here Lombardi was just establishing his legacy then. Cold, snowy. Now, by snowy, the sun was out, but it had snowed a couple days before Christmas Day or whatever it was. Did that bother me? Hell no. Would it bother me now? Hell <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was great. My brother, my younger brother and I were there and uh, that was a great memory. 17, How much were the tickets? They were probably fifteen dollars, twenty dollars for the somewhere. championship game. I remember now. This is nineteen sixty. Yeah, that's bet, awesome. Oh, yeah. It was it was a great thrill, and to uh, see the pa- and the Packers brought along a pretty good rooting crew. Yeah, I'm uh, sure they were, they were just establishing their legacy then. Had Jim Taylor as their running back, and it was a terrific game. Norm Van Brocklin, my all-time hero quarterback. I remember it right in front of us. We were sitting in the end zone in the curved structure, and right in front of us, he threw a touchdown pass to another of my favorites, a one-time Oklahoma All-American named Tommy McDonald, who uh, made a catch wearing his short sleeves and dived into the snow pile. Nice. God bless us. And then Norm Van Brocklin looked up at you and flicked his cigarette at you. <laughs> or, 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 his, or his cocktail. Or yeah, threw his cocktail glass your way. <laughs> Fill it up for me, kid. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. You know, the the first year that I was alive was the first Super Bowl. So I don't really have much context for what people thought of the AFL. I mean, what what was going what were people saying at that time about the AFL that would it make it and, and how did it succeed? Because I've been seeing you guys know I'm infinitely fascinated by these startup leagues. Oh, yeah. We've got two that are coming this spring. XFL is back for a second season and their second go-around, and the USFL is back again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Well, how- Joe, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It's not That's a false analogy that you can't make because this was an altogether different scene. Yeah. 
This league had come on in 1960 and had made a name for itself. And their big deal in 65 was spending $400,000 a year to sign Joe Willie Namath. And when they did that, that suddenly transformed them into a big-time operation. So along came the agreement. You knew it was going to happen. And in the fall of 1966, the thinking was, hey, this is going to be great. The NFL champs, the AFL champs, they're going to get killed in this game because the NFL is big and Mm -hmm. strong and powerful. Well, they got out there at the Coliseum in Los Angeles on an early January Sunday. Sun's out. Here comes Hank Stram and the Kansas City Chiefs, and here comes Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers out. And I think probably the most disappointing thing to me, and I I was not yet out here at KY3. I was two or three weeks away from going to work out here. I think the most disappointing thing to me was we all thought they'll have 85, 90, 95,000 fans in the Coliseum for this. They didn't. It was oh, only wow. about 62 or 63,000. It was quite a bit less than they thought. So how would they divide the TV rights? That was the one, another of the big stories. Who's going to televise this epic first? It wasn't called the Super Bowl back then. It was the NFL, AF, or, yeah, NFL, AFL championship game. How are they going to divide them? Couldn't come to an agreement. So you know what they finally did? Both NBC and CBS carried the telecast. Oh, wow. It was on two of the three major wow. networks. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, you- the game itself was viewed, everybody thought the NFL would win. The Packers will just steamroller this team. And when it was something like, you know, what was it, halftime, maybe 13 to 10 or something, fairly close game. It was in the second half is when Green Bay really began to flex its considerable muscle and star throwing to Lamar McCann. I'm sorry, to, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of the old receiver now who had gone out and partied the night before who caught the first. Anyway, regardless of that, star started picking the team apart and uh, Kansas City had no answer for it. What, what, tell me, I'm not making a comparison, I just... I just want to know what was what were people saying though at the time? I mean, did they were there the naysayers? Were there a bunch of people, a lot of sports guys running around saying, "Oh, it's, it's not going to make it. It's not the quality of league of the NFL." Was it that first, type of talk? At first, yes. Back in the early '60s, yes, because it didn't have it didn't really have quite the veracity with the public that the NFL did. It couldn't. It's only two or three years old. But they did sign a contract with NBC. And when they did that, while very few watched it, you did see the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers and, at the time, the Dallas Texans playing in high school stadiums. Oh, wow. that's what they did. Now, Dallas started out in the Cotton Bowl, but they had to share that with the Cowboys. However, the more they came along and the more they stayed around, the greater acceptance it began to have, even though in 67 for the first Super Bowl or what turned out to be the Super Bowl game. Uh, the credibility given to the AFL was zero. Did they play their seasons at the same time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sure, they were. The o- only difference was the NFL had an agreement with college football that they wouldn't play on Friday nights or Saturday. I'm sorry, not Friday nights. Saturday night, they wouldn't have games on then. AFL said, we don't have that agreement. We'll play whenever we can. Right. So, no. Uh, but the seasons were simultaneous, sure. Which I'm sure that made it easier to merge when they did merge because they didn't have to worry about television rights for the times that they had them. Well, I'm also going to tell you another story. I used to work, and I still do in some respects, at another station. And uh, during my first years there, Kurt Murs, 
who was Kansas City's all-pro offensive tackle but an All-America tight end at Iowa, hmm. was the DJ. And Kurt was He's no longer living now. Just a great guy. Great, wonderful human being with any number of fascinating stories. So the Chiefs lose that Super Bowl game. Well, right after that, when it, when it was over, the NFL and AFL had already come to a conclusion that the two teams would play exhibition games against each other. Oh. And then the first regular season games were later on in the 70s. So the first exhibition game following the Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chicago Bears in Kansas City. Mm. Now, this is an exhibition game, and it's in August. doesn't mean anything. Hank Stram got the Chiefs together, according to uh, Mr. Murs, and said, we're playing this like a real game. These blankety-blank-blanks didn't have any business beating us. We're, we're good and all that. They went out there with their first team, and they ran – Every single play they had, and I think at one point it was 56 to 10 or something like that. The Chiefs are burning. Ended up at 66 to 14 or something like that, final score. He says, Kurt says, Dick Butkus comes over and says, What are you guys doing? This is an exhibition game. Come on. No, it isn't. Not for us. This is a signature game. And it, 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 even though it was an exhibition game, it did really resonate with the public. So they riled up Dick Butkus. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're a, a, one of those people that just doesn't get enough of football, you'll be taken care of this year, USFL and XFL. We'll be back with our picks as we get you set for the Chiefs pregame show in nine minutes. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Typically at this time we would do the weather for this area, but let's do it for Kansas City. It is partly sunny and 23 right now. Doesn't look like Burr. any precipitation that's going to be going down on out there. So it's just going to be cold. Both teams should not really be affected by it because both of them play in cold weather climates. When we saw Cincinnati going to Buffalo where it was snowing buckets last week and they did a good job. So mm-hmm. it is time for us to make fools out of ourselves and try to pick a professional sports game and try to do it accurately. Uh, it is, uh, I, you know, I don't take this very seriously. I think that much to Ned's chagrin that I don't take it very, very seriously because, you know, it's just... It's so hard to do, and it it there's so many factors that go into these things, and so many people take it seriously. I, I have picked against the Chiefs in the past, and people have gotten upset with me. They've told me, they've texted me, they've sent me messages and said, hey, how can you do that? And it's just like, that's my gut feeling. That's just how I feel on this given day. And uh, so here we are. We're going to do our picks for what it's worth. Ned, you go first. I'm glad you said that, too, because the one thing that the general public in many, many respects forgets, it is a game. It's a game. It's fun. It is not life. It may be a microcosm of life for some, but it is a game for others. It is the great escape valve for the the pressures that we have in life, and, and that's fine. That's how it should be viewed. All right, this game coming up, though, really has me puzzled because of the variables that are involved. Cincinnati has won 10 in a row. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs in three straight, beat them earlier this year. Joe Burrow is an outstanding quarterback. They have a very good running attack team with P. 
Pirine and Mixon, two Oklahoma twins who were in there who can run very well. Probably the best receiving core in all of football. Offensive line is a little bit compromised, but it certainly wasn't compromised against the Buffalo Bills. Cold, cold night. Kansas City Chiefs playing with an injured quarterback. Kansas City will run the ball. I said all season long that the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, and I absolutely firmly believe that they still are. Even compromised, I think they can beat the Bengals. I'm going to pick Kansas City. Oh, let's just say Kansas City 27 and the Cincinnati Bengals 26. So I think going it'll be that close. Slightly under for this game. I think 45.1 is what I saw earlier. All right, Josh, what about you? Oh, well, you know, we were talking earlier. I I look at the Bengals and to me they they are a very methodical team similar to what the Patriots during their dynasty was and I'm not making the comparison anywhere beyond that is that they have a methodical offense. They don't get out of their game plan very often because they don't have to. They kind of put it out there on the field and say, you beat us instead of we have to beat you. And that has worked for them. I mean, they're they're one game away from being back-to-back Super Bowl teams. teams. So um, this is going to be a tight game. I think Mahomes' limited mobility is going to be a bigger factor than we even know. Because a high ankle sprain, he may feel great until he has to scramble the first time, and then it may be right back to the way it was last week. I want the Chiefs to win, so I'm going to say 30-29 Chiefs. <laughs> All right. We had both I, one point. <laughs> I hate the Bengals. I hate Joe Burrow. Not a fan. And I hope the Chiefs win. 45 to nothing. <laughs> that's, that's my pick. I'm doing a hope rather than a pick. 45 nothing. Chiefs today, and I want to see them back in the Super Bowl because I think that's where they belong. They're the best team in the NFL. Yep. They should be there. And all this bulletin board material, it's going to work against Cincinnati. Anyway, we'll get everything figured out, get set for the Chiefs broadcast starting in just a few seconds. Yeah.